are listening to Young Life Interrupted, a podcast dedicated to 20 to 40-something caregivers. I'm your host, Adrian Glussman, change maker and professional speaker on the topic of millennial caregiving and a former caregiver to my mom who battled multiple system atrophy. I'm a former corporate gal turned entrepreneur with a passion for filling a huge need I saw during my 10-year care journey that finding your tribe and connecting with them regularly is essential, and that resources exist for caregivers, but not tailored specifically to young ones. I help young caregivers find community and connection to support them through every step of their care journey. Now, I'm ready to share stories, insights, and tips with you here week after week. Caregiving at our age is your unfair advantage. So if you're looking for support, you're in the right place. Let's kickstart today's episode. Welcome back to the Young Life Interrupted Podcast. So August was a very emotionally charged month for me. If you follow me on Instagram or are a part of my Facebook group or have listened to this podcast before, You'll know that last month marked the one-year anniversary of my mom's passing. I actually did a special episode on August 26th to honor the one-year passing that you can go back and listen to to learn more. I made that kind of like the memorial tribute that never happened during the time of her passing. We never did a virtual service. I never did anything on her birthday or over the holidays that brought together family and friends. It just didn't feel right. But to be honest, I had a lot of guilt around never honoring and memorializing my mom. So when launching the Young Life Interrupted podcast in August, I thought, what a better way to honor my mom's memory not only with the launch of the podcast, but also to create a very special episode where I share with all of you not only my emotions leading up to her passing, but also the recognition of what I was going through with the end after my 10-year care journey, what life was like having mom in hospice care, what it was like at the very end and at the time of her passing. I also take some time to memorialize and honor the incredible woman that my mom was and also share what life has looked like after that first year. So last month, I couldn't help but recall the events from 2020 leading up to mom's passing, almost as if no time had ever passed. They felt as raw and real as when they were happening. And I felt by sharing my thoughts and feelings leading up to that time, not only on the podcast episode, but also on various posts on my Instagram account, I could somewhat normalize, quote unquote, the end. I mean, whatever the end really means, right? To allow myself and all of you to accept what's happening in the moment. Even though we have always known we would be here someday, To let you know that it's okay to say goodbye, to feel confident you have done your best as a caregiver and tried absolutely everything you can to ensure your loved one's quality of life, to be uncertain of your next journey, 
the grief journey, to be scared of what is next, what life after caregiving actually looks like. Have you ever wondered where you would be at the end? I'm sure you have. I mean, I know I did. I would always wonder, how old would mom be? How old would I be? Where would I be in life? Would I be single? Would I be married? How would it happen? Naturally or would there be some sort of a catalyst that would lead to her ultimate demise? I often thought about all of these things. The trippy thing for me is when it all starts actually coming to fruition, when you just aren't imagining it anymore, when it's actually happening, it's like this weird out-of-body experience. You're going through all of the motions of care just in a very different way. You know what's inevitable, but it's almost like you're in this constant state of numbness and shock, just kind of going through the, mo- the emotions and the motions. I know for me, when I came to finally accept what was happening, it was the waiting game that was the hardest. I honestly thought that when I went in to say goodbye to my mom in hospice care in the hospital, that she would be gone the next day, not a week later. Waiting for someone to die is probably the hardest part of the end. The anxiety and emotional roller coaster of, will I get the call today? Is she okay? Is she comfortable? Is she in pain? Is she at peace? Does she know what's happening? Can't she just pass over already? And for me, another hard part was, here I was as a caregiver, who couldn't do anything. I couldn't research or call the doctor and ask questions on what I could do to make things better. Of course, I made sure that she was being given enough morphine and other medications to ensure that she was comfortable. I couldn't improve her symptoms. Nope. For the first time, I just had to let go and let the universe, God, whatever you believe in, take over. And for me, when it came to my mom's care, I was an uber type A personality. So knowing that I was at the point where I could not take action, it almost killed me. It's as if I just didn't know what to do. For 10 years, I always had to spring into action. For 10 years, I had to do the extra research, make sure I had a list of all the questions, find the solutions, purchase the products, Just make things happen for my mom. Let me tell you, when you are a caregiver and you have to finally release those tight reins, it is so hard. It's like you are releasing your grip on a part of your identity. Almost like you feel like you're letting your loved one down. Until you come to the realization that the fight just can't go on that you don't have to spring into action anymore, that you have to work on being at peace, saying all the things that you want to say for them, providing the comfort to them in your final days as a caregiver. What a weird existence not to be anxiety-ridden over the fear of getting a phone call that something happened to mom, 
that her blood pressure dropped or she fell, that she passed out, that she's back in the hospital, which would in turn cause me to spring into immediate action. Now, it was as if that anxiety was removed and replaced with the anxiety of just waiting to know that mom had passed on. To come full circle with the past month of our lives. Heck, the past 10 years of my caregiving journey and mom's battle with multiple system atrophy. To say she had passed away. To finally have that closure I needed. To enter the post-caregiver phase of my life. Now here's the thing. Was I sad in those final days and after? Of course I was. But I honestly always thought I would be completely inconsolable. As in not able to eat, to drink, to think, to function, to even be able to get out of bed. But what's weird was I wasn't like that. I was seemingly okay and strong. Mind you, I have a really good game face, so what I'm showing on the outside does not always mirror what I'm feeling on the inside. I remember going into the hospital the two times to see mom when she was in hospice inpatient, which is where she ultimately passed away. Because of COVID, I had to go alone. There was no one to hold my hand as I walked down the hall, went up the elevator to tell me it was going to be okay right before I walked into mom's room or to tell me to be strong. No one who was right there with me in the hospital to just cry to. It was just me. I had to be strong as I always was. You know, there's this quote I like to think of that really hits home for me and I imagine for all of you as well. You never know how strong you are until being strong is your only choice. I truly think this should be the mantra for all caregivers. And that is exactly what was happening. Caregiving turned me into a strong person. Being the solo primary caregiver for my mom forced me to be strong. Having to jump into this advanced adult role when I was 29 made me strong. Having to advocate for and take care of the most incredible person I have ever known made me strong. And there's this strength was helping to carry me through this chapter and into my next chapter. Why wasn't I sadder about my mom passing away? Now, don't get me wrong. This was to date the worst thing that I've ever experienced in my entire life. But I was always questioning, why am I able to pull myself out of bed today? Why am I able to eat and drink and be around other people? Why was I able to move on with my life? And the answer finally came to me in two words, anticipatory grief. Now, throughout my 10-year care journey, I had never heard this term. But boy, when I did, it explained so much of why I was feeling like I did in the days leading up to and after my mom's passing. I remember I first heard the term from the hospice chaplain who would reach out to check on me in the days leading up to mom's passing. She explained to me that anticipatory grief or 
grief that occurs before death is common among people who are facing the eventual death of a loved one. Yet, while most people are familiar with the grief that occurs after a death, also known as conventional grief, anticipatory grief is just not often discussed. And I'm here to say it absolutely needs to be. I only thought grieving happened after they pass. I had no idea I had already been experiencing grief cycles throughout the 10 years that I cared for my mom. Now, grief before death definitely isn't a substitute for grief later on, and it won't necessarily shorten the grieving process after death occurs. There's just not a fixed amount of grief that a person experiences with the loss of a loved one, which I quickly learned. And even if your loved one's health has been declining for a long time, like my mom's had, there's absolutely nothing that can really prepare you for the actual death. Though anticipatory grief doesn't necessarily make the grieving process easier, I would say in some cases, it makes death seem a little bit more, dare I say it, natural. It's hard to let our loved ones go. Seeing them when they're in a weak and just constantly failing state and tired maybe makes it a tiny bit easier to say, it's okay for you to move on to the next place. I remember that's one of the things that I repeated to my mom while she was transitioning. It's okay, mom. It's okay to go. It's okay to stop fighting. It's absolutely okay. For those of you on a care journey where perhaps your loved one has a degenerative disease with no cure, I'm sure you have experienced or are currently experiencing anticipatory grief. The emotions that accompany anticipatory grief are similar to those which occur after a loss, but can be even more like a roller coaster at times. Some days may be really hard. Other days, when your loved one seems to be doing okay for them, you may not experience grief at all. In this newfound revelation of wanting to understand anticipatory grief, I did some digging to try to help explain all of the emotional ups and downs I had experienced during my care journey. Sadness and tearfulness, with the tears rising rapidly and unexpectedly, fear, not only for their death, but also the changes associated with losing them the irritability and anger that I was pretty frequently experiencing, the loneliness about not feeling that it's socially acceptable to express anticipatory grief, a strong desire to talk to someone, anyone, who might just understand how I felt and listen without judgment, which is why I imagine all of you have sought out resources like this podcast. Living in that constant state of heightened anxiety all of the time that the next shoe was going to drop. Guilt. While you long for your loved one to be free of pain, you fear the moment that that death will actually happen. You may also experience survivor guilt because you'll continue on with your life while they won't. 
you may find yourself extremely concerned about your loved one. And this concern can revolve around emotional or spiritual or physical issues. A rehearsal of death. I know I visualized what it would be like to have my mom gone. And also physical problems such as sleep difficulty and possible memory problems. The stages of grief may be present at any one time and you may find yourself re-experiencing the same feelings of shock, questioning, or despair many times over. For me, now that I look back in better understanding anticipatory grief, I experienced the stages of grief every time mom had a significant decline in her disease. So let's be honest, I think I experienced the grief cycles probably at least 10 times, one periodic episode of decline a year. No wonder when the conventional or post-death grief set in, I strangely felt like I had been there before. I wish I had known about anticipatory grief. Now, I'm not saying it would have changed the trajectory of how I felt and coped during my care journey, but having some better understanding and coping mechanisms in place that I could implement at every stage of decline would have definitely better prepared me for that next stage of decline and the cycle of emotions that were to come along with it. So for those of you who are currently in an anticipatory grief cycle, here are some ways you can work through your feelings. Allow feelings of grief to help you prepare. Take time to examine unresolved issues between you and your loved one. Say what needs to be said. And if your loved one is still well enough, settle legal and financial matters and have those really hard conversations about end-of-life wishes. Educate yourself about what to expect. Learn about your loved one's condition. Know the symptoms, the side effects from any treatments, and the prognosis. It may help you to feel in control if you understand what's coming down the pike. As hard as it was to read about the various stages of decline, it was also super important as it allowed myself to prepare for what would be coming next and get a leg up on what that would look like and the processes and planning that I I would need to put in place. Talk to somebody who is feeling anticipatory grief as well. Find a support group of people who are experiencing the same thing. Someone in a similar situation can truly provide a lot of empathy and insight. And it's okay to be honest about your feelings. You're not being disrespectful to your loved one if you express your frustration. If you're looking for a support group of other young caregivers, I invite you to come over to my free Facebook group, Young Life Interrupted, to share your feelings in a safe, private, and nurturing space. Enlist help and continue to live your life. This is the time to reach out to family and friends or hire someone to help with the care of your loved one. Don't put your life on hold if you can help it. Meet with friends and try to have fun with you when you can. I know that we are living in a crazy world of COVID, 
which has made everything 20 times harder. But now with FaceTime and Zoom and ways to get together outside socially distanced, really trying to meet up with friends is crucial to your existence. Because in the long run, it will not only help your loved one, but it'll help you because you'll have more energy to care for your loved one and do what you need to do in the form of self-care for yourself, even if that means five minutes a day. Create moments your family member can enjoy. Even though they may no longer be able to participate in activities like they could before, they can still enjoy pleasurable activities with you. I remember even though mom was in a wheelchair, I would take her outside for some fresh air. Her assisted living had beautiful lakes that I would push her around and we would talk to the iguanas and the birds and just allow her to soak in that sunshine and fresh air, which she loved. I played music for her and having a dance background, I also performed little Broadway reviews in her tiny little living room that also always made her laugh. Mom was really good, surprisingly, at crossword puzzles, so I always made it a point to spend some of our quality time together doing crossword puzzles. She loved to paint and draw in her younger years, so I bought her coloring books and different painting activities, and although she went outside the lines and it definitely looked like an abstract Picasso piece, she truly enjoyed doing it, and it was still things that we could do together as a mother-daughter. And these moments, in the end, might be what you cherish the most. A long time ago, I read this quote. She embraced the ghost of who her mother was and asked, Who are you now? You aren't alone in your anticipatory grief. In fact, I hope that if you've never even heard of the term before listening to this episode, that all of the things you have been feeling can actually be tied to a concrete term. That there are so many others experiencing the same thing too, and that hopefully, with this newfound knowledge, you can help manage the grief. If this is the first time you've heard the term anticipatory grief, does explaining it further make you say, holy cow, yes, I have been going through the same thing with every decline my loved one has been taking. I would love to get a conversation started around anticipatory grief and invite you to head on over to my Facebook group, Young Life Interrupted, to let me know you heard this episode and share with not only myself, but other young caregivers in the community, your thoughts around this topic. tuning in to another episode of Young Life Interrupted. Be sure to subscribe to the show and while you are there, leave a rating and review. I read each and every one and love hearing from you. And if you're ready to connect with your tribe of fellow young caregivers who can do for you what friends and family just can't and fully get what you're going through, come join us over in the Young Life Interrupted group on Facebook. See you here again next week. Until then, keep finding those silver linings and celebrate the small wins.